0: I thought I turned. It. Yes, my mic's on. Okay, <laughs> are we good? Okay, I'm glad you didn't hear the first few sentences. They weren't. Pre- no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're on. Now. Are we on now, Josh? Okay. Um, Sunday's lesson was was not PowerPoint because I changed the lesson, so there was no there wasn't enough time to put together a PowerPoint presentation. So it wasn't Tracy's fault. In fact, it was no one's fault. It was just a, it was a discernment from the Word of God. Everything worked out just fine. So just to let you know that, because I feel like I need to say that, uh, because the question was asked not of me, but of Tracy. So let me get that straightened out. Don't blame her. <laughs> Talk to me. All right, let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We love you. Thank you so very much for the opportunity to serve you and to, to do your will. Lord God, we grow so very much from reading your Word there's so much in it, Lord God, reading and, and trying to discover your mind. And you reveal your mind to us according to your will. And, Lord God, we thank you for it. And we ask tonight that you will reveal more of your mind to us, that we might grow. And help us, Lord God, that we might grow in love with your Son, to love you as, as the Godhead loves us. Thank you for your mercy and care. In Jesus' holy name, we pray and thank thee. Be thy will we pray these things. Amen. All right. Um Mark chapter 5. So tonight we want to, we want to think about contextually what what's happening. So Jesus has begun his ministry and um he is working hard. I mean, this is the reason he came, right? This this moment, this hour has has presented itself and now it's time for Jesus to go to work right and he's in his ministry and he's and he's deep into his ministry right by the time we get to mark chapter 5 he's been in his ministry for quite some time and i want us to look at not necessarily the character of the people so that's going to be there but i want us to look rather at the relationship of the people toward jesus okay and the relationship of jesus toward the people so i want us to look at okay uh, let's start at verse 21 Verse 21 says, And when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered about him, and he stayed by the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up upon him, seeing him, fell at his feet, and entreated him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her, that she may get well and live. And he went off with him, and a great multitude was following him, and pressed on him. Now, there's another synagogue official in chapter three. I'm not. I don't know the relationship between the synagogue official in chapter three and that whole situation where they definitely ill-treated Jesus and they or mistreated Jesus, and they. It was a very um, uh, unhealthy relationship uh, between the people and. Jesus. But here we have another synagogue official, and this official uh, has a daughter. But I want you to think about what was going on. So, verse 21 tells us that Jesus was, was there in the midst of a great multitude. So we're not given a number, but it's just it's just told us that there are a lot of people there. And you know, when there are uh, one when there's one or there are, are, are plenty of people, Jesus is always going to teach. So here Jesus is teaching uh, a multitude of people. And this man comes up and says, "My daughter is sick. Um, can you come and lay hands on her?" He doesn't say say the word, and she, you know Centurion said that, just say the word. He says, "Can you come me with me and lay your hands on her why would the master teacher leave the multitude however many people there are to go for one child one person so here's a multitude and then and then they they come come to you and they say Alright, uh, uh, teacher, preacher, uh, member of the body. Alright. Let's leave this, this congregation and, and, and let's, and let's, let's go find this one person. Like Philip. Philip, same way. That's great. <laughs> Philip, the same way. Right? He's, he's teaching and God takes him from, um, this great multitude for one man, the eunuch. You know what that tells me? Relationship. The relationship from man to God is man always wants. Right? But from God to man, God always gives. The relationship, what it says to me is that every individual, so now we have to try to find a way to erase everyone else in the whole wide world, and just it's just me, that every individual, that I am singled out, You are singled out by God. When you have a specific need, God sees your particular need. You are important to God. So much so to where he leaves this multitude of people and goes for this one child. The insignificant to humanity is extremely significant to God. That's important. That, that's how great Jesus is. You are important to God. Someone once said, you know, I really don't want to bother God with with this prayer about some of these trivial things. Nothing's trivial to God, right? I mean, th- that would be the same as Jairus saying, you know, I, I know my daughter's sick, and I really wanted to get well. But Jesus is doing what he wants to do. He's teaching the multitude. And I really don't want to disturb him right now. Maybe I'll talk to him later. Jairus would have never done that. It was his daughter. She was more important to him than anything Jesus could have been doing for the crowd. We're just that important to God. Now, the relationship between man to God, as you continue in this account, um, it it just shows the um, foolishness, if you will, um, of humanity. Some of the the Jewish, I guess, rituals or whatever it was that they they had in this day uh, when it came to uh, suffering and struggles. We're going to look later at, at just look at look at verse thirty-eight. Let's take a look at this. This relationship. And they came to the house of the synagogue official. And he beheld a commotion. And people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him. Putting them all out. He took along his child's father and mother and his own companions and into the room where the child was. Now, go with me. You arrive, and Jesus explains from a perfectly spiritual perspective from from the heavenlies, this child is not dead. She's asleep. They didn't understand. But how do you go from being a crowd of mourners to a crowd of mockers like that? How, you know, just like that. And I know they paid people to do some of the mourning. I, I get that. But imagine you being there, and, and you, you try to explain to them the child is asleep um, and not dead and they laugh in your face they em- embarrass you you know uh, our thought might have been you know i don't i don't have time for this <laughs> i'm, not, I'm not, i you know hey you know i'm not even uh, fine i mean if you don't want me to do, to help <laughs> i got things to do right but that that's not what what Jesus did but what what is the first emotion that comes to your mind when you think about you are there to help someone, and they and they mock you, they laugh at you. Just in an instant, and they're they're making mockery of you. Uh, that that emotion of of anger, that emotion of um, shame and embarrassment. It was done in front of John and James in the context, and we might have even said something like, "I don't I don't need this. I don't need this." But not Jesus, because that little girl and her father and mother were more important even than shame, anger, frustration, embarrassment. Jesus treated this situation as more important than himself. Going that extra mile of the way, being able to... Uh, rid his mind of all of the pettiness to rise above it and to be uniquely different. And what he does in verse 41 and taking the child by the hand he said to her, Talitha come, which translated means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl uh, rose and began to walk for she was 12 years old and immediately they were completely astounded and he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and he said that something should be given her to eat so he ministered to her he told the parents let's let's leave this as well as the young girl let's keep this amongst us and i'll walk away with that shame i mean later they would find out obviously but it's not about going out there and saying, you know, here we are, right? We walk out holding our hand going, see? Right? We, you know, we had to prove something. But Jesus never had to prove anything to humanity. Right? He just didn't. It wasn't uh, his mindset. So Jairus saw what we ought to see, and that is the humble Jesus. He was a humble, meek, compassionate and merciful God, Emmanuel, with us. And think about this for a moment. Maybe wonder with me for a moment. How many of the people saw what the Father was explaining to us through the Son? Think about that. How many of them Saw what the Father wanted us to see the humble, compassionate, merciful, kind Christ Messiah that came to the world it 's at this moment and it's at it's at it's at times like these where, where we have to look deeper into the word and 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 go in you know when you read your bible it, this is a this is a fun thing to do it 's kind of what God wants us to do, too, Is it, it is read some, right? Uh, don't read it like a, a normal book um, because it isn't, right? It's different. Read a bit. Stop. Close your eyes and envision yourself being there with Jesus. Right? See the imagery. Right? See the crowds. See Jesus standing amongst the crowds and amongst the crowds of people it's not necessarily orderly. Right? See them pushing and shoving a bit and maybe shoving the master and him staying, remaining calm. See him doing his work. And, and when you, when you read that and you, and you witness that as you observe that, you begin to get a better feel, a closer feel of what it's like to walk with our Messiah, to walk with the Christ. Look back at chapter one, Mark chapter one. So, when we go backwards to chapter 1, Jesus, again, he's already begun his ministry. Like every other human being, Jesus Christ is um, tired, a lot of walking, weary. Right? He's had uh, multiple sleepless nights. We know that about Christ. Not because of anything that he has done uh, um Well, because of something he has done, he prays a lot, right? So he's out many, many sleepless nights, and yet he he gets his strength from the work that he's going to do from the Holy Spirit. And we jump all the way down to verse 21 because Jesus was very famous, and he became more and more famous as time went on. Fame was a a temptation for Jesus to... to, um, Pray to the Father, you know, when I go out and speak to the masses and they try to make me king or, or, or they, they try to honor me above uh, what they ought, uh, I pray, please help me not to get a, a, a big head, you know, not to become prideful and arrogant, for that would be sin. In verse 21, and they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately the news about him went out everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. So, the unclean spirit, the demon, right, the devil, the demons are are being when you when you get to Mark five you find out more information about what the demons are doing. They're um they're they're very aggressive. They're very scary. Um, I mean very scary. Uh, they in in some places in, in Mark five in particular uh, I believe it's the one at Gennesaret, uh He uh, he's chained up. He's he's put in a cave. Uh, but he keeps breaking the chains. You know and he cuts himself and he's he's you know so he's bloodied and he's. It's just, you know, pretty, and, and yet Jesus comes along, and, and he, and he casts them out. He tells them to be quiet. He, he's in complete control. He is in command, and, and he says to them, uh, you know, he stays humble, and, and he, and he, and he silences them from, well, he doesn't want evil pronouncing who he is anyway, right? Uh, but he silences them, and the people are amazed, and he becomes more, and, and more, if you will, the fame of Jesus is, is, uh, becomes known by all. And yet, the people, they don't humble themselves, do they? Right? Remember, crucify, crucify. I mean, you know, let's think about that for a moment. If, if there's an unclean spirit and you're, you're terrified of it, and, and Jesus comes along and casts it out, and you know it's an unclean spirit, you've seen what it's done, right? Don't you humble yourself? Isn't there something, you... but Jesus, though, uh, Though he's tried and challenged, he remains humble and meek. So now i want to pick up in Mark 1, and I'm going to jump down to verse uh, 29. And immediately after they had come out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to him about her. And he came to her and And raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. All right, so Jesus is out teaching throughout the day. He's tired, he's weary, and gets home. And home, someone else's home. And his Peter's mother's Simon's mother's sick. And they, they tend to her. Jesus, Jesus heals her. So, so we have his teaching. He's amongst the people. It's, it's, it's maybe a, a warm day. It's everything that, that happens in the day. And then the hours are going on. He's been teaching. He doesn't get a break. She begins to wait on them, and verse thirty-two. And when evening had come, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill. Doesn't he get a break? The teaching, and then and it gets Simon's Simon's mother-in-law. She's she's sick, and heals her, and then then evening comes, and and. They began to bring all those who are, who are, who are ill and, and, and demon possessed in verse 33. And the whole city had gathered at the door and he healed many who were with various diseases and cast out many demons and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. So they don't stop coming. This is the life of Jesus. It's, it's, you know, whatever number of people there are in this time that are, that are near Jesus, they keep coming. They just keep, and they don't, and they don't come and say, oh, Jesus, you're, you're one with sincerity. You're great. You're wonderful. We love you so very much. Here, come, rest your feet. Let's wash your feet, give you some drink and rest, rest a little bit. We'll come back in a little while and when you feel, you know, up to it and you're prepared and ready, uh, um, Take care of us, help us out a little bit, but you know you need a break. Let us do something for you. No, that's not what they do. They come pressing, they're knocking on the door, they're outside yelling, Jesus. You know how would God make you feel when all they and all they want is what they want, and they want and they and they want and they and they and they want and they want and and they want more and 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 they and the people that are, that want some of them are 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 sick. Some of them have brought the sick, and you know the, the sick. You know, you, you know, you, you know, you, s- s- snotty noses, and you know, contagious diseases, and everything you can imagine. And they just, I mean, the, 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 and they want, 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 and then you know that these are the same people that want, that want, that want, that are going to yell, crucify, crucify. See, see, because he already knows what's going to happen. And he knows these are the people that are going to do it to him. But what he does, though, is he still takes the time in his patient, loving care. He gets up and goes out there, and he heals the city. And it's not just that he healed the city. It's the way he did it. We have to go to Luke for just a moment to grab that. Luke chapter 4. And let's look all the way over the same account in Luke. Verse 40. And while the sun was setting, all who had any sick with various diseases brought them to him. And laying his hands on every one of them, he was healing them. And demons also were coming out of many, crying out, saying, You are the Son of God, and rebuking them. He would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. So he he comes out. He's weary He's tired. We're going back to Mark chapter one. But when he went, when he came out to the city and healed them, the Bible says he laid his hands on every single one of them. Now, I'm sure you've seen it. Maybe you've been in 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 the presence of of, of uh, famous people in our, in our world. Maybe you've maybe you've been in line asking for an autograph. Maybe you've been to a book signing and and, and those people that are signing, they get tired of signing. And, and and they're hello's and and it's sweet and it's kind, but it's for profit. I mean, there's something you're gonna get from that, right? But Jesus took the time to heal sick people. Injured people. He dealt with demons. I want you to get tonight how much God is demonstrating to us how much he loves us. Right? That he would take the time not only to, to nurse your wounds up, but to really make sure you're okay. Right? That's what God does for us. He does it for us, by the way, every day, doesn't he? Every moment, every second of the day, he knows about our, our vital organs and our, our. He knows everything about us, right? Internally, and he knows, and he's always he's he's been caring for us from the day of our birth in our mother's wounds. And he's had a plan for us, and and he's watched us, and he's he's coddled us along, and brought us to our today. That's what God does for His people, and He's demonstrating that to us in a physical way through Jesus. Christ so that we can see the Master. Now how do we know that? Remember what Jesus said to Philip? He said, Philip, if you've seen me, isn't that enough? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we know what the Godhead does for us. The Bible tells us that God takes care of us, but now we're getting to see in a more um, defined way how much God takes care of us. And maybe it might behoove us to step away for a moment from from the world and all that's there. And think back to the times when you were struggling or someone was struggling. And you were, in, you were in deep prayer. Begging God for help and mercy. And he came to your aid. Just coddling you along. And maybe he used the physicians or, or medicine. But whatever it was, he brought you back. That's what Jesus is doing, physically. Right? He healed the multitude. The whole city came to him. And so now you think, right? And once does back, say, okay, Lord. Ooh, this has been an incredible day. You were you were teaching all day in the synagogue, and then we got it back. And Saint Peter's mother-in-law was ill, and you you healed her. And then the whole city came, banging on the door, and you just had no you had no time to yourself. Jesus, take some time. To yourself and rest. Because you need it God. And and we'll make sure no one comes along. But that's just not our God. (laughs) Look at verse 35. Mark chapter 1. In the early morning. While it was still dark. He arose and went out and departed to a lonely place. And was praying there. And Simon and his companions. Hunted for him. And they found him and said to him. Everyone. Is looking for you. So whoa, well, whoa, well, wait, how many more people? Well, no, he doesn't do that. <laughs> the synagogue all day teaching. Goes home. Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Takes care of her. Sits down for a minute. Many sits down. They start knocking on the door. The whole city comes. He goes out. He talks to the people. Teaches the people. That's Jesus, right? Lays hands on every one of them. Gives them a blessing and sends them on their way. Makes them wells. Cast out demons. Finally gets into the house. Gets a little bit of rest. Need to take time to pray to get his spiritual energy, and guess what? Here comes now, the apostles. Jesus, everybody looking for you. Where you been? Where have I been? <laughs> Did have you not traveled with? You, you see, but Jesus doesn't. He doesn't respond uh, in a way that we might anticipate him to respond. He responds in a godly way, in a God-filled way. He responds as God. And he says, what do the people need? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What do my people need? I won't take care of them. That's what Jesus did throughout the entirety of his ministry time and time again. Over and over again. Keep in mind, please that throughout this time, he still knows that these are the people who are going to crucify him. It's just amazing. It's appalling. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's an amazing revelation of how much the Father truly loves us. Everyone is looking for you and Jesus says in essence and I'm looking for everyone come unto me all of you who are weary laden even while I am and weary laden and I will give you rest that's what Jesus tells us right okay verse 38 and he said to them let us go somewhere else To the towns nearby in order that I may preach there also. For that is what I came out for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee. Preaching and casting out demons. That is why I came. (laughs) Wow. Stay true to the mission. That's why I'm here. It it seems to me as if when you understand your purpose, there's a different attitude about life. What is the purpose that God has or intends for me? When you understand your purpose, there's this inward motivation uh, and this inward desire to accomplish and fulfill your mission that God has in store for you. Your purpose. Jesus said, I, I'm, I'm tired. I'm weary. I, they, they come, and they come, and they come, and they come, and they continue to come. And they, they're still coming. And, I, and, I, and they want, and they want, and they want, and they want, and they want more. And they continue to want. And I give. And I give, and I gave, and I give, and I gave, and I give. And I'm going to keep on giving. And eventually I'm going to give myself. Because that's why I came. Wow. Yeah, falling in love with Jesus. Oh, it's not over yet. Verse 40. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him, saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean and moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said, "I am willing. Be cleansed." Have you ever? Maybe it's a silly question, but have you ever seen a leper? Maybe not. Maybe not. You know. Maybe on television. You ever? If you haven't, uh, maybe maybe Google leprosy and leper colonies and and look at what a, see what a leper. Looks like right. Well, I don't know the condition of this leper, but he's a leper. He's a man with leprosy, and so they would walk into the city and they would they would declare themselves unclean to the masses. And why would they do that? Well, because uh, you know in this day there was this uh, weeping leprosy and weeping leprosy. Well, you, you can imagine what that is. That particular viral uh, or bacteria that is on that individual, if they touch you, you you know they're very contagious. And, and so so you you can imagine it doesn't give us the age. It just tells us he's a man. He's not a boy. So he, you know, so whatever his age might be, he's a little older uh, and, and not as young. And this man has had leprosy. I don't know how long, but he's had leprosy for some time, which tells me something hasn't happened to this man in a very long time. And what that is, he hasn't been touched. He hasn't been touched. Human touch is is. Can you? I mean, imagine that. You know, you 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 come home and your family and. You go to work and you're you're out in the streets and everywhere you go and no one no one touches you ever I mean that's just you know they say that humans need touch or we you know from babies babies need touch or they you know they don't do so well without being touched right you have to touch babies here's a man who has not been touched in in a long long time and Jesus treats him as everyone else in the city he reaches his hand out and he he touches a man who has not been touched in a very long time. can you imagine what that felt like to that man to to be touched by an by, by another human that that expression of 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 compassion can you imagine the strong emotions that that you know maybe came from that man who's not been touched in a very very long time that Jesus reaches out his hand and he and he touches him. See, the ministry of Jesus um, was was a, a constant uh, work and battle, and all along the way, um, there there are there are mockers and and there are people who who ridicule him, and and there are people who were just just you know just human, very un- ungodly and unrighteous towards him, and yet. And yet he stayed the course and he he did things that were important, yes, for the whole world. But as you read the accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels, you, you find that they're very intimate. They're very, very unique uh, when it comes to individuals, and that's that's who God is. He is very concerned about individuals, not necessarily the whole, although God so loved the world. God loves the individuals, individuals within the world. We think of the world. And we go, well, He loved the whole, the whole globe, the whole world, and and so there's you know eight billion people and blah blah blah. And we go, oh, yeah, all those. Jesus, God sees us individually and independently, separated, and and caters to our, our every need. You know, the first time that um. <laughs> Kind of weird, but you you think you you know this, and I I didn't. It took me a while to learn this, um, and I just I, I don't know. It never just it just never clicked. It never clicked. You know, you you hear all the time, uh, God hears your prayers, and um, and and you you know you think about that. Okay, but but what, what it took me a while to figure out was that God could, could you know if everyone in this building was praying at the exact same time he could hear every individual prayer in this exact moment of time every word every thought every feeling the holy spirit would would take those words and 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 transform them into this amazing godly respectable you know language that is reverent and and out of this world and it would it would come to the father and and the father would hear every one of them and we're all praying at the same time. It took me a while to figure that out. I didn't understand. I didn't, how could God hear all of us? So it was very important that, you know, uh, if someone, you know, Brother James comes up and he starts praying. I've got to be waiting until James is finished. And then I can start praying. You realize I could pray at the exact same time if I wanted to. But I, I don't because I want to hear what Brother James has to say. Right? God can hear all of us. Psalm 103. Jesus uh, is the fulfillment of the Scriptures, the the identifier of who the Father, who the Holy Spirit, who the Godhead is. Right? In verse 13, just as the Father has compassion on His children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame, He is mindful that we are, but dust. See that picture. Just as the Godhead, well, just as as a father is compassionate on his his individual children, so so the Godhead has compassion for those who fear him, for his children. So, so there's not. It's not just the compassion that God has for the world, but it's this independent compassion. For every single child of his. It's just wonderful. And I think about that in relationship to, to me personally. I first appeal to my selfish side and say, wow, thank you God for being compassionate toward me that you, you not only recognize me as, as you recognize the person in the world who doesn't recognize you, but because I, I fear you, you, you have this special care for me and I am declared your child through, through faith because of Abraham's promise and and here, you you grafted me in, and you are very, very caring and compassionate toward me. And, and wow, I, I'm so excited, Lord. I owe you everything. What, what else can I do for you, God? Right? Because I know that you're going to take care of me. Well, there's a feeling of my selfish side again. But it's the same thing for all of us, that God is taking care of us. One time I was doing a funeral uh, for a a preacher. And and the funeral for the preacher kind of goes like this. Why do you think we do what we do? (laughs) See, see, that wasn't a time where, uh, you know, we were supposed to be mourning. He finally got what he wanted (laughs) to leave, go home. Be with the Father, right? Be with the Godhead. Our work down here is done. Christians, that's it, right? For us, for, I mean, if you're, if you're really, if you, you love God, you fall in love with Jesus, you can't wait to be with Him. Can't wait to see Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus. And I know there's only one way to get there, and I'm, well, I'm not supposed to do it the other way. I got to wait until God says, come home, child. And so even in my death, God is carrying me along to bring me home, right? And so, the constant care of God is 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 all throughout our lives, even through and in our deaths. Right? There was a I did some hospice classes uh, and, and courses that were uh, offered, and um, did them at the college, and it was, you know, they were really emphasizing: no one dies. Alone. That was the emphasis. And it, and it sounds, I mean, it feels good. I mean, you know, we, we all know that, right? Like with COVID right now, it's one of the, one of the, the terrible things. People, they, you know, they're dying alone, right? No one can visit. And, and it, and it's a, it's a, so I'm not making light of that. I'm not pleased understand. I'm not making light of that. But, but what I am saying is that if you're a child of God, you can't die alone because God's with you, right? And so we take comfort in that. That God doesn't leave us just because we're sick. God brought the sick to him. God allowed the sick in. God is always there. So Jesus, John 14, Jesus uh, makes it clear to us that the love that God has for us, John 4, excuse me, I said 14, I, I do want to go to John 14. Let me just go there and, and let's skip this. I'll come back to John 4, uh, next week. <laughs> John 14. The love that Jesus has for us. Judy, if you like, you can put that other slide up for us, please. The love that Jesus has for us. If you don't get it, you gotta get back into your book and get it. You know, it, it's the time where we, instead of reading the Bible and trying to, to understand it, the, the laws, the commandments, and the doctrine. And we have to know that. I'm not, I'm not making light of that. We have to know that. But get to know the love of Jesus as you study. Get to know the love and the compassion and the mercy of Jesus Christ. So John 14. And I want to jump all the way down. Um, I, just want to read, I just want to read through this quickly. You've you read it. You know it. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places, if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And there, that, that where I am, you may, there you may be also. And you know what, the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For now on you know me and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I have, that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. The point I wanted to bring out is Jesus emphasizes to us that, brethren, when we read the Word of God and we witness the life of Jesus Christ, we're witnessing the greatness of the Godhead. This is a manifestation of, of the love that God has for his children. I hope something tonight was said to encourage you and to help you in your relationship with the Lord and falling in love with Jesus. If we can help you in any way, please uh, contact us. Those who would like to surrender to God in baptism, we we invite you to surrender to God. And those who uh, have a special need, whatever it may be, in any way that we can help, make it known to us. Thank you tonight for your time. We really appreciate it. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you.